want to do something a little bit different today with the plug, something we've been scheming over at Crack Rackets. As you guys know, we come up with some crazy shit, and so we like to float these ideas by you. Something we want to do to encourage you, the listener, you know, we always ask, leave us a five-star rating, leave us a five-star review, is we're, we're going to offer you a little incentive, offer you guys a chance to win some Crack Rackets gear. Rothman, you want to explain how they can do that? Yeah, well, it, we obviously want more reviews for our podcast because we want to hear what you guys think and what you like about us. So if you leave a five-star review for us with your name, we will choose one of you at the end of each week to give some CR gear. We've got a lot of new stuff on the store. We've got three different kinds of shirts. We've got hats. We've got shock absorbers. And there's some more stuff coming in. So uh, you could be one of the lucky few to get kind of the, the first taste of uh, the new CR gear. So that's all you got to do is... Leave a five-star review, leave your name, and uh, we'll, we'll hit you in the DMs. Yeah, j- just to clarify, Twitter names, Instagram handles, if you don't have those, if you're an older listener, and older, I, I say that lovingly, we love our older listeners, you know, you want to throw in an email, we will find a way of getting in contact with you. We should also mention, it's specifically reviews for the Mini Break podcast. Of course, we ask you, Cracked Interviews podcast, Great Shot podcast, uh, What the Deuce podcast, go leave ratings, reviews, subscriptions for those as well. We'll try and get those going in the near future, but in specific, for the Mini Break, leave us your username. Well, we will get back to you. We want to give you guys the gear. We want to spread as much Cracked Rackets love as possible. So we hope we are going to be able to do that by doing this little competition. Your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, April 9th. A little bit of a different format on today's podcast. Obviously, we know there's a ton of tournaments going on throughout the ATP and WTA as it is the start of the clay season, but I just did a wonderful interview with Ben Rothenberg of the New York Times of uh, Racket Magazine fame. You guys, if you follow this podcast, you're obviously active in tennis Twitter and you've heard of him. He came on to help me do a quarter poll recap of the next-gen ATP players on tour. It was a two-hour long interview, so you know we got into a lot of depth. Hopefully, part one of that will be released either Tuesday night or Wednesday morning, so you'll be able to listen to that full part, and then part two will come out later in the week, if not early next week. But we also had a little bit of fun with Ben. As it is Tuesday, Ben is a noted tennis I don't, I don't want to say he's an instigator on Twitter, but he certainly likes his opinions to be known, and they certainly generate a ton of passion from the responses. So much fun for us to watch. So we did Tennis Twitter Tuesday with him. We did that segment. We're going to play that now. Before we do that, I do want to talk a little bit about Houston because, as we mentioned, there's a ton of great tennis going on, and we don't want to leave you guys hanging. So let's start with that. You look at this tournament, it's the U.S. Men's Clay Court Championships. I believe last year Steve Johnson won it. A lot of American players love to play this event because it's one of the few in America on clay, and so they want to get that in while they can. They also have a ton of fun at the event. They did a fun Kids Day. Blair Henley, another fun Twitter follow, uh, put some footage of their Kids Day event. You have Riley Opelka, seven feet tall, having fun, doing high fives with kids. Obviously, that's a sight to see. But there are also some first-round matches played today. They finished the qualifying round as well. But on the main draw front, 
Not the best day for the Americans. Let's start with number five seed Taylor Fritz, who lost his match to Mark Granoller's 6-2-4-6-6-2. For Taylor in this match, the thing that failed him the most, the first serve, he goes 38 of 80, making only 48% of his first serves, only wins 48% of his second serves as well. You know, Taylor's not the best mover, and if you want to hear more thoughts on that, listen to the Ben Rothenberg pod. Uh, But he was kind of exposed in this match. When he was put on the defensive, he wasn't able to find the goods, work his way back into points. And it's concerning for Taylor now. He's had a bunch of first-round losses, didn't do well in Indian Wells or Miami. Obviously, this is not the way he wanted to start his clay season. Uh, The serve is so important to his game. Now, it's very rare that we see Taylor serve so poorly, especially on the first serve percentage. Uh, It's usually his go-to weapon, so I'm not sure if this is a trend we're going to see continue, and that's why you want to be positive about him, but just not the start you want to your clay season. Uh, And I'm sure for Taylor, he's in, in the locker room right now kicking himself because you look at some of the chances he had. One of seven on break points versus uh, his opponent, Granolers, who goes four of seven. It's not like Taylor didn't have chances. He just wasn't able to convert. And unfortunately for him, that means an early exit from this tournament. Another match I want to talk about real quick, uh, and then I promise it's a long Twitter Tuesday segment, so I'll try and be brief here. Bernard Tomic, a guy who I mentioned kind of jokingly yesterday going on a run, knocks out Dennis Kudla, 7-6-7-5. You're looking for the things that differentiate them in this match. First of all, Kudla wins 90 total points to Tomic's 88. That speaks to how close it was. But for Kudla, just too many free points for Tomic. He throws in eight double faults. That's just not going to work. You know, you look at the break points converted. Tomic has, goes three of eight, has more chances versus Kudla's two of four. Uh, Kudla does a good job attacking Tomic's second serve, holding him to 13 of 28 on second serve, points one. But for Tomic, 65% first serve percentage. He wins 70% of those points. I mean, there's a reason this guy used to be top 20 in the world. He's got that sort of talent. He's able to hit you off the court, in ter- not in terms of his power, but in terms of his finesse. He'll keep you moving uh, forwards with drop shot, backwards with lob, off the court with short angles. He just plays a very unique game, a lot of slice, a lot of dead balls. And Kudla wasn't able to capitalize now. I don't want to be too harsh on Dennis Kudla because I'm. I just think his baseline floor as a player is so solid, and it'll be interesting to see how his size holds up on the red uh, red clay. But yeah, Tomich has the goods. It's fun to see him succeed. Personally, you don't have to like him, but he's a unique tennis game that just stands out. So it's fun to watch, and I'm pretty happy for him. Uh, but b- before we move on, let's run through the rest of the results uh, from Houston in terms of first-round play. The one American who managed to get a victory, Ryan Harrison, he knocks out Ivo Karlovich, 6-3, uh, 6-4. Harrison slipping out of the top 100, desperate for wins, so this is a great start to his clay season. Christian Guerin, a guy we've seen have success on clay, knocks out Pablo Cuevas, 4-6, 6-4, 6-2. Casper Ruud over Hugo Delian, 7-6-6-4. Kristen over Darian King, 7-6-7-5. And now we've got a ton of first-round play to look forward to tomorrow. You know, there's a ton of great matchups in Houston. It's always fun to see these guys transition to clay, see what their games look like, see them acclimate to the surface. So be sure to listen to us throughout the week. I'm sure Jamie McDonald will pick up tomorrow's episode with talk of Houston. And you're not going to want to miss it. But for now, enjoy our Twitter Tuesday segment with Ben Rothenberg. Thank you. 
joining me today to help me talk through all of that conversation. He is a freelance writer for the New York Times, co-host of the No No Challenges Remaining podcast, and I would say a tennis Twitter provocateur, Ben Rothenberg. (laughs) Welcome back to the Great Shot Podcast. Hey, great shot, Alex. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Of course. Well, I know I've taken up so much of your time, but I'm going to ask you to do one more segment. It's something we do on our new podcast, again, the Mini Break Podcast. If you haven't, go listen, rate, subscribe, review. That's your daily podcast, Monday through Friday, of all things going on in the tennis world. Yeah, uh, we record them the day in advance, and it is, you know, we are recording tonight, Monday. I think it's April 8th, so we are going to use this segment, if you're willing, Ben. We call it Tennis Twitter Tuesdays. I feel like there's no one better to do it with <laughs> than you, where we highlight the funny stories going on on Tennis Twitter. Does that sound good to you? Sure. Is this where you talk awesome. about beefs or whatever, or? All of the all of the above things right. I found funny things I found we've talked about from Rayonich winning interest rates to Kerber saying you know you're a brat or whatever to Andrescu and all in between ah biggest drama queen ever let's get that quote <laughs> right yes yes that was the quote that's not Ben's word by the way those are the quotes um mm-hmm. but yeah the ones I want to start with you are as I mentioned my favorite follow because of just the anger people seem to respond <laughs> with um and I'm a huge fan I, I again I've said it before I don't get it like relax people he's just sharing opinions I say he talking about it's, you in third person it's it's fairly amazing to me the amount of vitriol it inspires when you say hey I think the format the men play you know 40 weeks of the year is the better format than the one they play those other eight weeks of the year or and people just get so mad um and and yes and, and when, you, when you break it down that way it's it's all kind of silly but um yeah i i don't know there's something something about me just really annoys people i'm just clearly just a very punchable personality in a lot of people's minds and uh almost never in person i mean honestly like everyone who's around me you can take their word for it like i'm not this uh provocative or not this polarizing i don't think in person ever um although i'm sure people will get annoyed by me plenty too um <laughs> but it's it's really a, a twitter people i haven't met phenomenon who just think that i'm this anti-christ figure in the sport uh there to ruin everything sacred about it and it's primarily weird but when it's not weird it's amusing well, please don't change it because I enjoy it so much. And one of the reasons where you had people thinking – it's like the, the uh, Salem witch trials. They think you're freaking trying – you know, you're, you're performing some sort of magic. But you talked about – I think it was in the context of Pliskova. If if there's a rain delay and you're down a set in 5-0, should you just retire out oh, of yeah. courtesy to your opponent? And that set the world on fire. Can you run me through your thinking there? Yeah, so this was, this was I think – this one I had thought about as a hypothetical before. Um, and then it like almost kind of by the book happened in Miami. So Simona Halep is playing Carolina Pliskova and she's losing. She's down, uh, I think it was six, four, five, oh, or seven, five. I forgot what the first set score was, but she was down a set and maybe it was a tie break even, but down a set in five, oh. And so, and this match was entering another rain delay. It had been rain pushed back a few times and entering another rain delay. It looked like a substantial rain delay at like around 11 something PM, 11, 30, 45 PM. Um, and obviously, you know, I'm there thinking that I'm not going to get to Wendy's before it closes. All these things are just terrible <laughs> in my life right now. Um, and this match is essentially over. Like, it's not um, over, over. Like, obviously, in tennis, there's just to the last ball, anything can happen. But the odds that Halep comes back to win this match are tiny, tiny, tiny. And not not zero, but really small. Like, you know, I don't know. Legit, honestly, like, probably a like 2% chance she wins this match to use a fairly realistic number i think and i don't know what the 
win you know i don't know if there are tennis computers that punch those out but something in that in that range probably around two percent give or take a percent um and so i was thinking is it you know would it be sporting or gentlemanly or for whatever whatever the word you want to use is for her to basically say you know well done chap and shake puts his hand and say you know i'm not going to keep this match going possibly because it looks like it might get rained out to the next day um i'm not gonna or you know even just several hours later of waiting um, for this match that was basically all but over and all the judges' scorecards in boxing would have had as a clear victory for Pliskova. Um, and, you know, in the tournament, keeping everything up and running and keeping all the staff on site, I'm sure it cost the tournament thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars um, to have this match not done and have the day's play still you know, active and all the overtime they had to play, pay employees and whatever. And you can say that's not any of Halp's concern and she should be out there fighting to the last point and number one ranking was on the line. If she'd won that match, she would have gotten to number one. So all those things are fine. But yeah, I just thought that was an interesting sort of hypothetical, like what to do if it's a rain out when a match is, you know, basically make the person come out and win four more points. And at, at a tournament like this, when it's a set in, you know, a set in five love, it's like basically the biggest advantage you can have in the sport without being, uh, you know, 40 love up also in the game. So, uh, yeah, I just thought it was interesting. And people just, some people, not all, but some people just <laughs> saw it as so sacrilegious and so blasphemous that I would ever mention anything less than trying your hardest and believing you have the fullest chance of winning to the last ball. Uh, when, you know, and Halep did come out and won a game and then lost the next game and lost the set 6-1. <laughs> and it was over pretty quickly after having, again, you know, waited for... I don't know, close to two hours to finish that match, a match that just already kind of could have been done. So, and just even just me raising those kind of things or things most people don't do. And, and other people do do them too. I know uh, my New York Times uh, often teammate, Chris Clary, uh, during Indian Wells when Nadal pulled out uh, against Kachanoff, or I guess, sorry, against Federer in the semifinals, right? Was, um, Suggest, floated the idea of maybe having lucky losers in later rounds of the tournament as well, just so the show can go on. And that was a bad moment for tennis. Like, we should not, I think sometimes tennis fans lose track of the business of the sport, but that was going to be a very rare match for tennis on network TV. That Nadal, that Indian Wells men's semifinals were booked on ABC, um, which is a very rare opportunity for the sport to get to a broadcast audience in the U.S. And that that match didn't happen meant that tennis lost that huge opportunity to have Federer play and possibly win over thousands and thousands of new fans to the sport uh, there. And so, and he got a lot of crap for, you know, saying that was totally against the spirit of tennis or the traditions of tennis or whatever else. But I think those are conversations worth having. I think you have to be outside the box and have to be thinking that every, you know, that the, you know, tennis is, gets so caught up in itself and so caught up in its traditions and is so afraid of progress is so afraid of, of reform and change and evolving uh, some ways good, some ways bad, and uh, I think I my Twitter philosophy is like you know those conversations are, are worth having, and a lot of people get very distraught over them very quickly. <laughs> well, you talk about thinking outside the box. One of the things these withdrawals have kind of skewed. And by the way, I, I, again, I love it. I'm totally down with just the thought of it. Now, what, so what do you think? Personally... Do, you, do, you, do you think Halep should 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 concede the match at down a set in five zero heading into a long rain delay? Here's what I – I don't think she should do one thing. She should do whatever she wants to. If she does concede, I would completely understand why she was doing it. But no, do it. would I ever force her to? No. Yeah, force is different. Force is – yeah. Yeah. So I'm totally open to the idea if someone was like, look, at this point I don't want to go on playing. Now imagine the backlash they would take though if they – you know, if Hal was like, you know what, I'm good. I don't need to go back out there. No, that's she true. She would have just gotten 
pummeled. And so I think you have to think about that. But no, if someone did that, I would not be upset. Now, what would very much upset me, and this is an idea I think Brad Gilbert brought the most attention to, is if you were granting wild cards to people who lost because someone withdrew the next round. I think the concept of putting a lucky loser into the semifinal is just so counter to the single elimination style of the professional circuit. Uh, that I don't agree with at all. What do you think about that idea? I mean, that, that's sort of what Clary was saying, too, this idea that, like, the show must go on. And, you know, yeah. I've been at tournaments where I was at the uh, 2014 World Tour Finals, uh, where the final of that tournament didn't happen because Federer hurt his back, um, you know, after that whole feisty match with Wawrinka, um, crybaby match. Uh, yeah, and, and there wound up being no final of that tournament. And that's terrible for an event. I mean, like, you, I don't think you get it until – I don't think you get it on TV or get it from home, like, what a disaster it is when you have a full stadium of people there who pay their money, TV's already, everything's ready to go, and then just, like, tennis is such a fragile, precarious sport in that way that only – that one guy having a sore back derails the entire contest. And I think that having understudies is a different word than lucky loser <laughs> um, to be there and maybe have some sort of different stakes of the sport, you know, maybe, like, it's a – exhibition and whoever regardless of who wins the match the other guy can't advance or something or maybe they can i don't know maybe you have people be able to sign in as lucky losers like they would in the first round of a tournament and if you can do it in the first round why can't you do it in a semifinal um those are all things i think worth considering because there is a an entertainment aspect of tennis and entertainment not as in just even just being a circus but even being you know a reliable product and when your product has the ability to no show i remember another time when it was 2014 miami and there were two walkovers on the quarterfinals of the men's side on the same day. So, like, so no matches happened that day. It was a day where I think it was, like, the Thursday. It was supposed to be just men's or Wednesday. I'm not sure. Some day where the only thing on the, on the schedule were men's quarterfinals, and neither of them happened. And that's just, like, that's a disaster. That doesn't happen in any other sport, really, where the uh, matches fail to materialize. And so... Is it blasphemous for tennis to, or what are we losing by having tennis find a way, a solution to that, to that, uh, that weakness? I think almost nothing, really. Yeah. And so, Look, if it adds to some asterisks, so be it. That's fair. Maybe the person who is in the the place without a withdraw is guaranteed to move on to the next round, no matter what, and you get some sort of recreational set. And we see that at a lot of matches. I think in Miami, who came out, Haas or Hedman or Blake to play. Uh, yeah, in, in Indian Wells, I think they, in Indian Wells, I think yeah, it was like the guys who were on site. So it was Haas and uh, uh, forget yeah, who else, but so, maybe Djokovic. I feel like Djokovic maybe, came out for some. Yeah, reason. Djokovic was still in the doubles draw, I guess. So he was still around, and so yes, yeah. and that's what happened. That's what happened in London that time. They like called up Andy Murray, who was busy playing Mario Kart or whatever, and he came over <laughs> and played an exhibition match, uh, like an eight game pro set uh, instead of the men's final. And so that takes that takes a lot of luck, though. I mean, they're, they're lucky that Andy Murray happened to live in London. Where the tournament's being held there, um, so yeah. But I think having something in the in the rules that makes it so your guaranteed matches um, is is not a bad thing. And I think people who get super aghast at that, you know, should sort of step back and be like, why am I being so uptight about that? You know, can't, can't I can't I loosen up and can't I just relax a little in life? I mean, maybe that's uh, – you mentioned it earlier. That's the theme for tennis. Can't we relax and just enjoy it a little bit more? Can't I, I mean, have someone throw people, a racket at the net and just not hit the other player but mean it aggressively? Yeah, I mean, people people, <laughs> people in the sport are, are very are very caught up in, in what they think the sport is and what they think it should stand for. And, you know, different 
cultures of the sport and value very different things very certain ways some you know if it's british people get all you know excited about wimbledon and its traditions and gentleness and theory and then you know the elegance of it and then people in i don't know south america might get all into people playing davis cup as the be all end all of the sport and americans might want you know i don't know players who attack and don't play defensive tennis whatever you know whatever it is that you value um uh, or you know australians might want humility or something uh there, there's different there's different things that are called our preferences and i think that almost all those preferences are should be seen as just that preferences and not rules and i think there are times people try to make them a little bit too uh uh restrictive and uh mandatory when they're really not and i think you know i think tennis can be a much broader more appealing sport with the right sort of um ingredients and the right sort of openness yeah i I agree with you and when you talk about having fun i think one of the fun stupid controversies from the week sloan stevens in char uh in charlottesville in charleston south carolina uh you know in her press conference i think she's asked about you know do you did you not want to lose and she's like what do you think actually west off if you could play the clip for us real quick why did you want this one more than other ones because i'm tired of losing sucks oh my god (laughs) (laughs) oh man Uh, so ben yeah what what did you think about that scandal yeah it wasn't it wasn't even as it was just like she said like losing sucks and showed some fire about it too which i think everybody there appreciated and she started giggling because she'd sort of let her guard down it wasn't a normal you know (laughs) press conference mode um yeah sloan sloan is pretty like that sloan will always be like super reserved and very sort of scripted for the first like three or four answers and then she'll her attention span will run out and she'll just be very loose you know so i don't know i didn't see the transcript i'm guessing that question came fairly late in the in the press conference um because she can kind of get a little bit more uh wild in those situations uh but it was fine i mean like it's harmless like you know you're showing that you want to win and okay so the local news has to bleep you you know who cares like it's you know 2018 or 2019 whatever year it is like <laughs> you know like the internet is a cesspool and everyone can google far worse things and sloan stevens saying an f-bomb uh and you know and some people got mad at her or said whatever and i don't think the, rea- the reaction was mixed to it in a way that's you know a bit pearl clutchy again and obviously you know you can sort of you know grimace or or shake your head even at someone cursing it on a at a press conference but it came from a good place. It wasn't her being nasty to anybody. It was it was all fine, and uh, it was just a little bit of a color in the sport, which is, yeah. is never never a bad thing. And that was my take with uh, the Kerber thing too. Kerber and Andrescu was this great moment of Angelique Kerber, who never says anything interesting. I mean that like sincerely. As someone's <laughs> been to lots of her press conferences, she's she's a very nice professional person, but she doesn't you know tend to doesn't really know how to open up or doesn't chooses not to. It's a little both. Um, it's an inability and an unwillingness to sort of open up and be raw and unfiltered. And uh, this was a moment of heated competition, heat of losing, being uh, bitter about losing to a teenager for the second time in a week uh, in Andrescu and called the biggest drama queen ever. And it was it was great. I mean, those sort of, you know, messy, salty moments are, are great snacks for the sport and create viral moments. And, um, you know, I think they the sports media and whoever else can can should embrace it because you need conflict in this sport like that's whenever tennis has been at its best in terms of popularity i think with the exception maybe a federal at all the federal were just kind of a different thing 
Um, but like it's been at moments where there's like clear conflict and clear uh, differences between people, whether it's Borg McEnroe, uh, who were very different things, or you know the golden age of popularity of women's tennis when it was you know Serena and Venus coming in as these outsiders charging against Hingis and Davenport and Capriati and the establishment players like that. Like that was those were two like really seminally great moments for for conflict in tennis, and you need those sort of storylines and that kind of passion to get people interested in the sport, and that's why Curios is is such it's so box office in terms of you know being entertaining and also just getting this getting headlines and getting people outside of the sport of tennis outside the bubble to take notice and there's always curios has by far the i'm sure the most like i don't know like around the horn mentions of any player who's <laughs> never been top 10 by far and that matters for the sport it matters that you're getting those kind of relevance it matter those are valuable things to the sport when you can break outside the bubble of tennis and it takes someone shaking it up to do that a lot of times and um, I just wish people inside the sport didn't act so dainty about it. We had a college tennis clip make the Sports Center top ten, so I agree with you. As much exposure as we can get, it's a good thing. You know, we are. What clip, we are what right. clip was that? Uh, I, I think that. it was. There was an overhead at the net. Hold on, let me look it up real quick. Someone hit an overhead. I don't remember the exact teams, and the guy just kind of stuck his racket up at the net, and the overhead hit the racket, and the guy uh-huh. ended up hitting a winner. And so I think they actually had it at number three, which. That might be as high as any tennis player ever. Let's go. It was a – ooh, I, I have the clip in front of me. The commentary is it's a, it's the – actually, Westoff, play the clip for us, please. Now, this is college tennis. We don't see a lot of college tennis on SportsCenter no. via the Twitter. Look at this. Ah, it's the Statue of Liberty. Hope that the guy smash hits my rocket play by Eddie Gutierrez. He won on his senior night. Go, Liberty. Um, the teams are LU Men's Tennis. I'm not sure who that is. Could be uh, anybody. Yeah. yeah, I think it could be Lamar. Sounds like Lamar. Um, and, yeah, the guy hits a crazy winner. And just all exposures, good exposure, despite the guy uh, breaking, uh, you know, really butchering the commentary. Oh, no, Liberty. Apology. Not Lamar. Okay. Liberty Tennis. Yeah. So it, it was a really cool moment. Um, and, yeah, all exposures, good exposure. Speaking of which, and I promise I'll let you go because we are getting – awfully close to that two-hour mark in terms of recording. Uh, another thing I saw from Blair Henley on tennis Twitter, and, you know, there's so many great personalities on tennis Twitter now, she was sending some video of the uh, Houston Kids Day, and as cool as all of that was, one thing that was horrible, what do you think of that Wilson Zebra racket? Oh, I've, only, I've seen a picture of that. Um, I don't have strong opinions on it. <laughs> I, I can't say. I, I doesn't really move me a lot one way or the other. It's hard to see a picture a bracket when you're watching a match on TV. I guess between points you can kind of see it more. Um, yeah, I have I have no strong opinions. No take here. My Sorry. Ca- it's horrible. I mean, okay. do you know how good? Like, you have to be so good, in my opinion, to play with it. Like, I could not pull that off. If I'm coming out there and shanking forehands with a zebra racket, people will laugh me off the court. I I do think there could be a lot more extraness in the in the racket department. I think there could be a lot more you know, glitter or glow in the dark <laughs> or whatever you want to put on your racket. I think there could be a lot more ex- extraness in the racket department. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Like, I guess, I don't know if glitter's heavy. It would probably add some sort of weight to it. Um, but yeah, somebody should go out there in a much flashier, more ridiculous racket than they have now. Rackets if, if are you... kind of don't excite me. If you want to set tennis Twitter aflame, suggest having Federer come out for like a U.S. Open night match with a glow in the dark racket. I mean, it would. Be, the problem is, it's too well lit, so it wouldn't really show yeah, up on TV if, if it was during a match. It need to be something that was like a light up racket or like a glitter <laughs> racket. Glitter racket could be the, cool. 
glitter the things cool. that change lights it's like changing color the whole time or yeah changes like if you like touch it, it turns change like <laughs> yeah. racket yeah or maybe one that like lights up different colors if it hits like uh, a faster shot even on tv as a graphic like the racket just starts like you know like uh you're probably you're definitely too young for like NBA Jam when like the players would like baskets <laughs> would catch fire or whatever. But like no, of course I've played NBA Jam. Yeah, those for us just were the classics. But yeah, I'm all in on all of those things. I was at a it was one of my friend's bachelor party and I was at a Calvin Harris concert and they had these like glow in the dark uh, or these like switching light tube things. I can't I don't know how to describe them and that would be a perfect feature. Yeah, for yeah. any tennis racket, but. I've kept you for over two hours, and I so appreciate uh, you taking the time to do this because you're one of the few people who's willing to talk tennis this long. Well, I hope you enjoyed that Twitter Tuesday conversation with Ben as much as I did. As I mentioned earlier, Ben is just so good at inflaming people's, I guess, passion for the sport. They think he's like trying to change it, and he's really not. He's just sharing his opinions, which are very interesting, very thought-provoking. And if you want to hear more from him, more from us on the Next Gen ATP guys, check out the Great Shot podcast. Like, rate, subscribe, listen, review. We appreciate any feedback we can get from you. Do the same for the Cracked Interviews podcast, the What the Deuce podcast. You guys know the deal by now. We appreciate anything you guys can do. Uh, if you've missed any content from the tennis world, check out our website, CrackedRackets.com. Matt Sikoyak, Ryan Cardiff, Jamie McDonald, Alex Gornett, Westoff, Rothman, myself, anyone I missed, you know the deal by now. We're doing our best to keep you guys up to date on all things in the tennis world, so you're not going to want to miss out on that. Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, you know the deal. Social media for the more immediate updates. And I want to share one last time the new fun giveaway we are doing if you leave a, uh, a review preferably a five-star, but I suppose we'll accept fours as well. Actually, no, we won't. Just give us the five-star review, please. Leave your name in the review you write, your Twitter handle, Instagram handle, email, whatever it is. We'll find a way to contact you. And at the end of the week, we're going to pick one random listener. They're going to win some really cool CR gear. We've got some great pocket tees, hats, uh, shock absorbers, all things you guys will love if you're fans of tennis. So leave a review, please. We'd love to hear it. We want to get you guys gear. We think you will like it. But... One last time, oh, huge shout-out to our super producers, as always, Max Fligner and Daniel Westhoff, who have a f- an editing job to do as well. But for my special guest, Ben Rothenberg, thank you again for taking the time to do it. For our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westhoff, and from our entire team at Cracked Rackets, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin, and you guys know the deal by now. That's the break, and we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.